0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Science Facts and Fallacies podcast, brought to you by the Genetic Literacy Project. I'm your
1: host, Cameron English. And I'm your co-host, Kevin Folta, a professor who cares about science communication.
0: This is the weekly show where we discuss the biggest stories from the Genetic Literacy Project, to keep you informed about groundbreaking developments from the world of science and medicine, and of course, to help you separate facts from fallacies as you read the headlines. Hello everybody, welcome back to the show. Cameron and Kevin here with you as always. Episode 190 of Science Facts and Fallacies. We're almost there, Kevin. Number 200 is uh, just weeks <laughs> away. I'm thrilled.
1: Yeah, 200. It's a quite a milestone. It means that you've gone almost 4 years cuz it's, you know, 50 50 weeks in a year, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, something like that. Something like that. I just see, I just look at this as sort of like a long-term relationship. And it, once it starts, it just keeps going, you know, so yeah. that, that, that's why I wasn't counting for a while, but now it's just, it's sort of exciting to count. I don't know why.
1: Yeah, it's good. It, it's for the 200th episode, you get something like bacon or something like, you know, like they do that for wedding anniversaries. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually funny because I saw you on the Dr. Phil show and it was first time I actually saw you talking. <laughs> well, let me tell you
0: something, Kevin, body image and self-image, they tend to go together. They shouldn't, but they do. So what we need to do is separate. Okay. So what Kevin's referring to everybody uh, is that I was invited on the Dr. Phil show back in August to discuss obesity and the body positivity movement or the fat acceptance movement or healthy at any size, whatever you want to call it. So we're going to have a little bit of a different format today. Instead of going over three stories, we're just going to give our thoughts on the episode. I was there, of course, and Kevin has watched it. And so we're going to break down some of the things that were said, maybe some of the things that should have been said that weren't. Um, and of course, if you haven't seen the episode, you can find it on YouTube. You can find the clips that I'm in, or you can just watch the full episode. It, it's pretty interesting uh, to watch just how the conversation
1: unfolded. So, um, Okay. Well, can I jump in real quick? Yeah, Just yeah, to say absolutely. something is that I, I think our objective of this episode is to help build this conversation and to provide thoughts and ideas to those of you who are interested in this topic to how you can discuss it with other people. And maybe so you can give us some more feedback on how you feel about it. I don't want this to be, you know, here's what I think and I'm the authority. It's one of these things where I really do think I'm putting together a pretty good feeling as to how, you know, I'm synthesizing this. But I'm very interested in other people's thoughts. So don't look at this as the normal week where here's what the science says, but more of that here's what the science says and how it's interfacing and dovetailing with an important uh, social movement and a discussion we need to have. And so, you know, please take this, you know, and, and also I'm not an obesity doctor or an obesity expert. Um, I'm a scientist who's looked at the literature and that's how I'm approaching this and with, and with my own personal experiences. Fair enough.
0: That was a good qualification. I would just say that that's generally the case with everything we talk about. I mean, Kevin, you do have some expertise in the things we discuss, but a lot of what we talk about, you're not an expert on. You're, you're closer to one than most people, and you certainly know more than I do, but I think that's generally the theme of this show is to you know, take what we say skepti- skeptically, dig into it, do your own research, and come to an informed conclusion. So I would just say always do that. Um, but in any case, let me yeah. let me give it this, especially
1: in this one. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, this is a sensitive topic. I understand that. I can totally appreciate that. So um let me let me just give a little a little background. So a couple months ago, Bill Maher, the comedian, did a segment of a show where he laid into the fat acceptance movement very, very harshly. And there's there's people have different views. It's sort of a spectrum when it comes to this healthy at any size stuff. But the gist of it is that people in this movement, they want the rest of society to view overweight people or fat people or obese people. They all use different language depending on, you know, who they are, but they'll say, uh, you know, we need to treat, we need to treat these people as, as a class, right? Their weight is an identity. And in many cases they're oppressed and we need to stop oppressing them. And uh, uh, we don't need to treat obesity as a health risk necessarily or we need to minimize the the health risks of obesity. It, ta- it takes different forms depending on who you talk to, but that's basically what they're about, right? It's, it's, it's sort of a, they frame it as a social justice campaign, right? They're fighting for the rights of overweight people. So Bill Maher was having none of this and he did this segment on his show and he got into trouble the next day on social media. People called him fat phobic and, you know, he's a fat shamer and this and that. And I wrote an article defending him and I just said, look, what he said is scientifically correct. Um, you don't have to like his jokes. I understand he, he might have offended some people. As someone who was obese for a long time, I didn't find it offensive. thought it was pretty funny because he wasn't taking aim at individuals. He was taking aim at, at the absurdities that arise out of this, you know, where you have you have certain people saying, uh, we don't know how to help someone lose weight, right? That's, that's silly. We, we do know that you know, maybe as a matter of policy, we can't convince a lot of people to do what they should do. Um, But in any case, that was the genesis of, of why I was on the show. So the producers saw this article and invited me on. And it was a really interesting discussion. And I was prepared to be the villain. You know, I didn't know what to expect. I was prepared to be the guy who was going to have to field all these aggressive questions. And that's not what it was at all. There was a there was a physician, there was a nutritionist, there was uh, another gentleman who we'll discuss later. He's a YouTube celebrity and he lost like 180 pounds. And so he was there to give his perspective on weight loss and, you know, the fat acceptance. And then there was this married couple um, and the woman, the wife, her name's Lexi Nimmo, I think is how you pronounce it, but she's a, a fat acceptance advocate. She's a plus size model. So she and her husband were there to, to represent this viewpoint. Um, and, and they were sort of like, they were the, I don't know, the heel, if you were right, they were sort of the opposition in this discussion. So it was really fascinating. I have some specific thoughts on what was said, but Kevin, what, what did you think after you watched it?
1: Well, let me ask you a couple of questions though, just, you know, to start out, like, why do you care about this? Like, like, I know that you have some personal history and you touched on it, but just so the audience sees where we're coming from, how do you, you know, why is this important to you?
0: There's two levels to that, and it's a great question. Thank you for for bringing that up, Kevin. So the first is that, as I've said, I've really struggled with my weight. It's easy to put on extra pounds, and it's difficult to to get them off. That's just that's been my experience. I can do it, and I've and I've done it successfully. Um, but there was a point in my early twenties where I was probably at my heaviest. I was probably close to 300 pounds, and I was driving down the road in the car with my dad. And he had bariatric surgery. So he had lost all of his weight and he was in pretty good shape at the time. And out of, out of nowhere, he just looked over at me and he goes, you know, you really need to change your lifestyle. Uh, look at what it's doing to your body. It's just not good for you. And I felt horrible in that moment. You know, if, if the fat shaming campaign was a thing at the time, I think my dad would have been accused of fat shaming me, you know, but it felt very uncomfortable. I felt embarrassed and, and all these things. Right. But w- within a few months of that conversation with the help of my younger brother, uh, we started exercising together. We went on a diet together. And so I started this weight loss journey and it ended very successfully. But what really motivated it was someone telling me this is bad for you and you need to fix it. And now that I have a young son, uh, I'm really grateful that I got the input that I got. Because, you know, now, now my son's going to grow up and I can take him fishing and I can play catch with him and we can do things. We can be physically active together and I'm not going to keel over from a heart attack and my knees aren't going to give out because they're carrying an extra, you know, 50 or 60 or 70 pounds or whatever. So there was a lot of value in that. So, so that's the first thing. And just to, I'll be quick with this last one. I see the people in this movement as being very, very skeptical of science and deliberately so. You know, so they will make scientific arguments, but they're doing it to muddy the issue. They're not doing it because they say, hey, we've looked at this data and this is our opinion. You know, according to this research, uh, obesity is not that big of a deal. That's not what they're doing. They're, they're, They're cherry picking studies. But then they're coming along and they're saying, you have to view me in a certain light. And if you don't want to date someone who looks like me, well, then you're fat phobic. And if you don't want to watch TV shows with people like me on it, well, then you're fat phobic. And it's basically it's an effort to overturn how the culture views uh, obesity and and overweight. And that's what really concerns me on on a broader level is, you know, as someone who struggled with this, you can't tell people that this isn't a problem because it very much is.
1: Yeah, and that's what I wanted to really start here with because you know I I don't want this to be come off as us, you know, bashing folks who are overweight or whatever. I know that you have a story with this. Just real quick, I'll show you what what happens with me, and I also am very aware that a couple of anecdotes does not a dictum make, but at the same time, anecdotes can be powerful, uh, personal experience when they do directly relate to the scientific data and the real problem. And like Cameron, I was, I was 235 at my maximum in 1994. And I was, uh, you know, I was, I was fat. It wasn't a healthy 235. It was a bad 235. And I couldn't walk to the fourth floor at the building that I worked in without having to stop and take a rest. And I was what, 29 or something, young guy, or maybe 30, 31, really young guy. And having all of these really bad, uh, complications of being overweight. And I'm taller, so it's, it wasn't super bad, but it was it was bad. I was on a bad trajectory because my family is all overweight. Everybody has problems with weight. And, uh, and it killed my mother. Um, she was very young when she died because she had complications of diabetes and congestive heart failure. Uh, she was losing her eyesight. Her best friend uh, lost her eyesight. Diabetes was on the edge of amputations when she died. Um, again, very early, probably in her late fifties. And, um, and that hits me really hard because when I would say to them, you know, is there, or to my mom, you know, is there something, you know, we can do to help you, you know, lose a few pounds. She would say, I'm fine the way I am. I'm going to live the life I want to live. This is life. Um, it's not life now, you know, she's, um, not here for all the good things that are still going on. I miss her a lot. I wish she was here. My whole family misses her. But it was a attitude of, from her and those around her that said, the way you are is just the way you are. And it's fine. Don't worry about it. And if they tell you health, what do the scientists know? They're, uh, they're just, my mom, one of the last conversations we had was, um, I don't remember exactly what I said to her. And she said, you know, you think you're so smart. You don't know shit about anything. And And it was a conversation around her health. And she died within a month of that conversation. So this is something that's very important to me because the questions of obesity and rationalizing obesity are something that has directly affected my family and and something I've wrestled with too. Um, I was 235, but got down to 189 after a year of uh, changing my diet completely and, um, and hitting exercise super hard and I was running 50 miles a week. I looked like garbage on the thin side too. I mean, I was way too thin and, uh, it, but, uh, that's just where, where I was now. I've kind of gravitated to somewhere in between, but bottom line is, this is something that affects me really personally. And I understand some people have aspects of this they can't control. So either behavioral issues that are very difficult to control or thyroid issues or other issues, hormonal issues that's one thing but we do have an opportunity to use some modern tools to adjust this in a positive way and having celebrities and folks out there saying this is perfectly fine don't let anyone tell you it's not you know big is beautiful don't worry about it. that is as you said on dr phil really dangerous so that's my why i care Yeah. Thanks, Kevin. And I know
0: that's, that's probably difficult to talk about, you know, losing a parent. I haven't gone through that yet. I know it's going to be tough when it happens, but to know that people around you that you care about are struggling with something and they're suffering and, or, or maybe they, they don't think it's a problem and it really is, you know, I know that's, that's very
1: challenging. Oh, oh, it was a joke. It was a joke to her. It was, oh, well me and Helen went out and we got ice cream and we ate everything we could eat because we just, well, well, that's how you, it, it, that whole, the whole thing was just a big joke. And, and it was so sad because, you know, I, I look at myself, you know, I mean, hell, I'm 55 years old, but I'm still looking at it being in the first half of things. And, you know, if she ever does have grandchildren, if she ever does have situations, you know, she won't get to see a lot of the cool things that are coming up. And, and, you know, knowing technology as it goes, knowing things as, as they're unfolding, she may have had some very useful therapies that could have helped her either psychologically, behaviorally, or physically. And, um, and she's not around to find those because of really the, the roots of this movement that told her where she is is perfectly okay when it is perfectly not okay.
0: Well, let's get into the. The discussion i had on the show a little bit because it, it it was different than i was expecting i was ready for different scenarios <laughs> i was yeah, too yeah i you know i, I was ready for get the your fu- butt kicked <laughs> yeah i was ready for the food fight dude i just you know i've just i i've i'm i'm hardly you know a pr expert but i've done enough of this to know you got to be ready with with guns guns you know loaded i was ready for that and i was also ready for this is going to be a friendly back and forth and we're going to talk about our experiences and it was neither of those. It was really it was all of us versus them. So I I don't I I I've never met them before. I didn't get to speak to them or interact with them before we were on the set together. I thought that was interesting. I think they they do that because they don't want you to have any familiarity before you get on camera. Um, but in any case, they came out and the show started with this woman, you know, kind of telling her story, and she struggled with her weight, and she was thinner, but it was. It was exhausting to keep up this regimen and she was doing it to please people and now she's just free to to radically accept herself. That was what she said on the show. You know, I'm for radical self-acceptance. And, uh, you know, that's fine. I think everyone should love themselves and accept themselves. And I said that on the show. Um, but you shouldn't let your self-acceptance bleed over into scientific discussions about health. And as Kevin just said, that is very, very dangerous when you do that. You know, we wouldn't say... I love myself. I radically accept myself. And, and that's why it's okay for me to chain smoke, right? No one says that. And nobody accepts that in the public health sphere. And there are no celebrities promoting that message. Um, and the, the, the same is true with obesity, but I will say Lexi and Will did a very good job because they were in the hot seat. Dr. Phil came out swinging and I I wasn't sure what to expect from him, but he came out and he was very much uh, well, my staff and I have looked at all the data up to last week and here's a study from Oxford. Here's a study from uh, Harvard public health. Like he just started rattling off these statistics and he grilled them. He was respectful, but he was like, look, here's the facts. I have a problem with what you're saying, <laughs> you know? So they, they came out and they were ready for that. You know, they, she, she was like, look, I don't think you're looking at the right research. Here's some studies that I've found. And then her, her husband jumped in and they were they were going back and forth with him. So I have to give them credit because they were ready for that. And I, and I think her experience as a, as an actress probably prepped her for, for that interaction, but they did a great job. But as the conversation progressed, I was getting irritated because, because I'm listening to these things that they're saying. I'm going, well, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's a fallacy, you know? And, uh, They, they bring Dr. Phil brings people into the conversation one at a time. So he starts with the doctor who was at Cedar Sinai hospital and he says, you know, I've, I've treated overweight patients and sometimes they get so big that they can't fit in a CT scanner, (laughs) you know, like they weigh so much, the machine that pushes the gurney up into the machine can't move them. And some of them going for surgery and they have complications because the surgeon has to get through their additional adipose tissue. And, you know, it basically complicates healthcare. And he said, this is a real problem. And then they had a nutritionist and she said, uh, your fat is an organ, right? It, it sends and receives hormonal signals. It interacts with the rest of the systems in your body. And, uh, it, you know, if you carry too much of it, it's very dangerous. And then he brought me in and there's not, I promise you people, there is nothing like a situation where Dr. Phil looks at you and goes, so you've been a science journalist for more than 10 years. Uh, am I reading the research correctly? There's nothing that will prepare you for that. I'm just going to say. it. <laughs> so anyways, I I jumped in and I said, you know, here's, here's why I'm here. You know, I know what it's like to be insulted for my weight and to be mistreated. I think you guys are very courageous for coming on here and doing this. Um, nonetheless, what you're saying is mistaken. And I pointed to um, a big meta-analysis in the New, G- New England Journal of Medicine from 2017. And I said, um, you know, they tracked these deaths and they said, okay, what's causing these? When we look at these in relation to BMI, body mass index, what is causing these people to die? And the majority of them uh, were in people who had a BMI that made them morbidly obese. And it most, most generally it was related to heart disease. And I think it was followed by diabetes and some other, some other uh, morbidities, but that was, that was the thrust of my initial point. I was like, look, you just can't keep saying this to people, but, but I'll stop there, Kevin. What what are your thoughts?
1: No, I, I thought it was really a, an interesting show because as you said, you know, they plunged directly into logical fallacy. Her whole argument was well, look at me. I'm just fine. I don't have any health problems. Everything's great. I'm perfectly fine. Yeah, but she might have been what, 30 years old, 32, maybe? I mean, she was a relatively young woman and she didn't, she's not looking at the overall picture of this. And I'm screaming at the screen, extrapolate this to absurdity. So if you're saying being 300 pounds is perfectly fine and healthy, how about 500 pounds? A little more healthy, maybe? 1000 pounds is is that a healthy place to be 1200 pounds 2000 pounds you know as the physician said hospitals have teams now that specialize in moving gigantic people i mean I'm, and i'm not saying that to make light of that and i'm not saying that in a, in a derogatory way that there are ways that hospitals have to have special teams and special equipment to move people out of a bed onto a different gurney or to move them into an MRI machine, or, I mean, this is, this is the reality now. And they are busy because 50% of people who are getting into hospital situations uh, are, are morbidly obese or, you know, are significantly heavier than they should be. The idea of logical fallacy permeated this discussion that, uh, I'm sorry, what was her name again? Lexi-Nimo, Lexi Nimo. Lexi, Lexi. Yeah, Lexi. Lexi kept saying, oh yeah, but I've seen studies. <laughs> and that is, you know, if you want to talk about climate, GMO, vaccine, there's always somebody who saw a study that confirmed their bias and made everything they believed uh, good as gold. And I think this is an important lesson for the folks who listen to the podcast is when someone comes at you and says, well, I hear what you're saying, but I've seen studies that say the opposite. Don't ask what studies have you seen? Ask, what do you find is the most compelling data from that study? Because they don't read past the title and, or, you know, at least the abstract. And when you start breaking these things down to the numbers of people who are, who are examined, the statistical methods, the experimental methods, the interpretations of the data, that's where it all breaks down. And the problem is that people are, are, are cherry picking to find anything in the scientific literature that can support their errant view. And it's unfortunate because someone like Lexi doesn't know enough to read the scholarly literature to make a sound interpretation that, that would save her life. You know, she continues to self deceive based upon the titles that she's reading in the literature and, and it's really, it's really, really sad. Right? cause I, my heart goes out to her and she was, she was, like you say, holding up well, but I, I there were the, the, like the woman in the back of the room who said, you know, Lexi, you know, I'm, I'm in my fifties and I need knee replacements and a heart, you know, I had a heart attack last week. I'm getting coronary bypass surgery. You know, there were people there who were just laying it on thick and there was, and, and yet at the end of that episode, it didn't change anything for her.
0: And here's the other end of the discussion. And thank you for adding that, Kevin. You know that was that was really important. One thing I will say before we move on is that, um, how do I put this? <laughs> uh, now I'll come back to that later. I don't want to get into that. Just, just, <laughs> just, just. I'll I'll come back to it a little bit. Well, let okay. me ask
1: you a question, really quick. Yeah, go, ahead. When, go you, ahead. when you were on there, it almost seemed like when you were talking about this, you seemed very emotional, and maybe just a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and, and they, I shouldn't say a little bit, you seem very emotional, almost like you really felt for her. You had a lot of empathy that was kind of oozing out of you here. And, and I, and I really got that from you I, and just seeing you on TV and, and hearing your voice. I, I don't know if, I don't know if you're afraid of Dr. Phil <laughs> or if you, if that was empathy for this person who is suffering, but somewhere you've been, who is now reinforcing that feet, that feeling and you can kind of see where it's going. So what, 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 was that based
0: on? Um, I, it, it was empathy, you know, cause I, cause I said, I know that experience and I never got to the point and it's just not in my mindset to go, okay, well, I have a very serious problem. I know what I'll do. I'll force the world to change, to accommodate me. That's just not how my mind works. So I never got to that point where she is, but I know, what it's like to be the fat kid in high school, right? I know what it's like to have a chair break under you and to be so embarrassed to step on the scale at the doctor's office. Like, I know the shame that goes with that. And so I tried to preface my answer um, before I started talking about statistics and all this stuff, you know, I just wanna say, hey, in so many words, I said, you know, I know what it's like, I'm not here to be a jerk, right? But, you know, let's, let's now discuss The facts. So it was empathy. It was a combination of things, Kevin. It was empathy for both of them because I know what they're feeling or, you know, what they felt at different points in their life. There's a little bit of nervous energy for sure because it's my first time on national television. And then it's just this, this like irritation that's, that's boiling up inside me because what they're saying is wrong. And I think what they're saying is dangerous. And it's very frankly cruel to do that to people to, you know, there's a, there's probably two and a half million people, I think watch that show regularly and i'm sure some of them are are struggling with their weight and so for them to hear somebody say you know you're fine just the way you are you don't need to do anything this is what the new research says that made me really really angry you know so it's just this stew of emotion that i'm cooking in and the conversation went on for about 20 minutes before i i Came in and I was about to interject and they told me, they're like, if, if he doesn't come to you when you want to talk, raise your hand and then you can. So I was about ready to raise my hand and then he looks over and brings me in. <laughs> so it's just this, it's just this combination of emotions you're feeling. And I think that's what, what came out as I started to, to talk with them.
1: And and I, it seemed really apparent. I, I was I was watching this and kind of uh, you know uh, knowing you pretty well. I think from this every week, seeing that your personal experience was shining through and something that you were really hoping would inform her, and it was really interesting for me because I talked about uh, about errors in medical diagnosis in my class on Thursday and talked about a case where a uh, obese woman with uh, numb fingers and numb hands came into the doctor's office and they said, well, you got carpal tunnel syndrome, lose some weight and wear braces when you sleep. And, And then a year later presented with losing vision in one eye. And they gave her an MRI and was able to make a a, an effective multiple sclerosis diagnosis. Another woman came in who was pencil thin, uh, normal weight, you know, normal BMI, who was complaining of uh, of numbness in her hands. They threw her in an MRI tube right away. And so, what obesity does is it clouds diagnostic ability because there's so many comorbidities and so many co co uh, um, oh, I'm sorry. Whatever the term would be, there's so many other traits uh, that present as complications of obesity that it makes medical diagnosis a little bit harder. And it's another part of this that, in that, if you have the opportunity to engage in losing a few pounds, it it, it helps across the board. And that's not shaming. Um, as I put to somebody, it's kind of like when we tell people. Um, You know, and and this is another controversy, you know, people, people come to the country, immigrate to the country, and I'll say, it's really important to learn English. And they'll say, ah, you're all English centric, whatever. I'll say, no, no, if you're going to take advantage of, of all the opportunities and be able to communicate and move up the ladder. And, and, and I tell this to English speaking people too. master the language, be great at speech and writing, because that's how you're going to elevate your career, no matter what it is. And my heart goes out to those who move here who don't have English as a primary language. I spend extra time with those students. I want them to have that. So so it means, let me correct, let me help you, you know, find this new level. The same thing happens with obesity. Don't be in that spot. How do we help you get to a place where it, it will help you have a better quality of life and, uh, and prevent some of these uh, chronic diseases that are comorbidities associated with weight? So...
0: Yeah, there's a couple other things I want to I want to address. So the the first thing I want to say, and what it's going to sound like I'm tooting my own horn when I point this out in just a minute, and I just want you guys to know that's absolutely what I'm doing. <laughs> so i <laughs> i was I was looking at some of the I was looking at some of the YouTube comments on the clips because I was really curious because we talk a lot a lot on the show about the science hug and communicating with with empathy or sympathy for people and and not trying to deprive them of their values and their view of the world as you, you know, present scientific information to them. So I was trying to see if people thought I did that or not, you know, and there was some criticism. We'll get to that in a second, but a a few people uh, responded. So one of the things I said on the show, and this is, this is a quote of what I said. I said, people should love themselves. They should respect themselves, but they should not carry that into the science to the point that they're denying the risks of obesity. And this one person on YouTube said, he said it perfectly. And I was like, thank you, Vivian or whatever her name is. I don't know what her <laughs> name is. So I, so that was good. And then one Vivian. other, per- <laughs> I, I know I just pulled that one out of thin air right there. That's, that's, that's like a, that's a boomer name, I think. Anyways. And then there was one other person and she said, the man Cameron. And I think she's just trying to identify me as the man. She's not like the man Cameron. So she says. She says, Cameron seems so kind on how he approaches the couple with his facts. That's what people need is compassion. So all I'm saying there, I I am patting myself on the back a little bit. I'll be upfront about that. But that was really what I wanted to do is I wanted to come and say, hey, I care. I understand. But we got to We got to be truthful about what we're talking about here. So, yeah, any, any thoughts on that, Kevin?
1: No, no, very good. I, I, and I agree. I think you came to the table with a lot of empathy and we all need to do that. And your weight and your e- habits, they're none of my business. But when you start spreading misinformation about weight, that is my business. And I should be stepping in there and at least expressing an opinion, if not coming from a place of expert um, science-based fact. Uh, and so that, that's really where we need to be. And I, you know, I, I think you did a, excuse me, I I think you did an amazing job there. The big thing that we have to always kind of, and I, and I think I see the, the, where this gets clouded is people look at this idea of body image and beauty and all this stuff uh, as some sort of weird social construct, because it is, I mean, we do have perceptions that are shaped by, by social stuff, but it doesn't mean that it's all wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like social constructs, um, they sometimes can have uh, like the Venn diagram of here's what's socially acceptable and here's what's scientifically shown to be healthy. Those things may have a little overlap. And it doesn't mean that uh, that one is right or wrong. What it means is that we need to really follow the evidence all the stuff that dr phil was talking about and his i thought that he was gonna you know rip you a new one but when he started talking about you know i, I lost a 50 year old nephew because of a heart attack at 50 and 40 year old had to do new knee replacements you know that really resonated because he's you know and and, and he's not you know freaking adonis He was really honest and and personal and empathetic and self-deprecating. And I was really surprised. And I might actually watch another (laughs) Dr. Phil show down the road, but, (laughs) but, but it was, it was overall probably did what it needed to do as an episode. I, I
0: agree. I, I, I think that it was, it was an appropriate approach in that he started with, you know, this is a scientific conversation. And we need to separate our 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 personal worth, our self worth, our view of ourselves, our self esteem, what have you. That needs to be separate from how much we weigh. Right, right off the bat, that's what he said. And then he started to say, but we need to address the facts on this issue. Now, there was there was some disagreement, and. Um, this this comes from one of the gentlemen that was on the panel with me. His name is John Glod. I think is how you pronounce his name. But he's a YouTuber. His channel is called Obese to Beast. He makes really great content. And his story is, in a gist is, you know, in some is he lost 180 pounds. He started doing CrossFit and he changed his diet. He cut out all the bad stuff he was eating. And he lost a bunch of weight and started a YouTube channel. And he was documenting his success and talking about his experience and he, it it his story became viral. So he went on the Ellen DeGeneres Show a few years ago. and, and he just he just turned his story into um, a platform to discuss these issues. So he he helps people um, with their weight loss journeys, and he and part of that is talking about the fat acceptance movement. And his criticism of the episode was, you know, this is this is a show for uh, a general audience, and all we're doing up here is we're pointing fingers at each other, and we're citing different studies, and we're arguing, we're trying to prove that we're right, and we're not solving the issue. And what we should be doing is helping people uh, who who want to lose weight. And I think that's true to a certain extent, but I think what I was there to do was a little bit different than what he was there to do. You know, he was there to say. Um, you know, obese people shouldn't be attacked or criticized, but people who lose weight shouldn't be attacked or criticized either. And he gets, he gets attacked online for being a quote unquote ex fat and being a traitor. You know, people attack him and say, you know, (laughs) you switch teams and that's over the line, bud. You know, so he was there to say, let's have a little more respect for everyone. And he was critical of the fact that it took a real hardcore scientific turn. Um, So I just wanted to say, I, I think we were there for different reasons. I think him being there was great and he should have, he promoted that message. I think it balanced the conversation, but my primary reason for being there was to really push back on this movement because I think it's dangerous and, and they're doing things, these fat acceptance, you know, crusaders, whatever, they're pressuring doctors not to weigh their patients or talk to them about their weight. Um, they're pressuring TV shows to, uh, (laughs) to have you know a certain number of of cast members who are overweight or obese. They want they want these television shows, like they want The Bachelor, this big reality TV show. They want them to hire a consultant who is a, a fat liberationist <laughs> to make sure that, you know, the wardrobe is is plus size friendly and that the language is is accepting. So all that to say they are they are pushing their way through different parts of our culture and they are trying to overturn the way we think about this issue. And I have a very serious problem with that for the reasons I outlined earlier. But in order to in order to challenge that view, you have to be willing to get up and say I I get it, I respect you, but you're not allowed to talk about this this way. I'm so sorry. The facts are the facts. You can have your own personal view, but this sort of the sort of postmodernist idea where it's like we'll see thin people invented the concept of obesity to oppress fat people so they can keep their thin privilege and this is a real thing that people believe right you know so doctors invented this and it's all about power dynamics and it's all about using knowledge as a weapon and facts aren't facts because they correspond to reality facts are facts because people in power say they're facts so it's a real cynical outlook on the world And so obviously I didn't get into all of these, these heavy handed philosophical details on the show, (laughs) but this was my motivation for going. And that's why I went, went in there and I said, here's what the studies say, right? Here's what the research says. It comes from universities all over the world, different study designs, you know, different lengths of time. They're looking at different medical conditions and there is a very clear consensus and you can find, you can cherry pick individual studies and you can say, well, these obese people are disease free and these people are fat, but fit or what have you. But, but these are the exceptions to the trend. And as we've talked about before, the exceptions don't refute the rule. They prove the rule.
1: Yeah. And I think that the point that you made, you said these rules were made by, or what did you say? These, these, uh, rules were made by skinny people for, or what was the thing that you said there? really important
0: it comes from so there's a field of of academic study in the social sciences it's called fat studies you can look this up and they they very seriously and again it's a spectrum not everyone believes the exact same thing but you can find uh credentialed scholars uh you know using that term loosely in this field who will say um and it's part of the critical social justice movement more broadly but they will say uh, thin people or, or slim people invented obesity as a concept to uh, oppress overweight people, to maintain their thin privilege. And so for them, this is a crusade. This is a revolution. We're overturning this hateful way of looking at obesity. And so that's yeah. that's what I was pushing back
1: against. Okay, yeah. Because I, I heard the statement somewhere in there that, it, that there, this was all made up by middle-aged white men. Yeah. We'll get into that, but go ahead. Go, <laughs> go, go ahead with your thoughts. Yeah. So, so that was one thing that I heard. Another thing I really liked, I really liked Kelsey Kaler and she was the, and you know, when, when I hear nutritionist, my eyes glaze over cause that's not an official thing. There's no such thing as a nutritionist degree that's given out. That's like a Uh, Me hanging a plaque on my door saying, I am a nutritionist because I studied nutrition. So that's a mixed bag of people who are really good and people have no clue. And uh, so you got to be really careful there. Uh, Dieticians, that's a special kind of uh, you know registered, trained thing. And even within that field, there's some wackies. But bottom line, I really liked her a lot. And I wish that she would have got a little more time because she really did lay it out very nicely. So I like that. The other interesting thing that came up in the discussion was the fat but fit discussion. And the idea that you could be overweight and fit and you're more fit than someone who is sedentary and of a normal BMI. And when Dr. Phil said that, or whoever said that said that, the um, Lexi and her husband started shaking their heads like, oh yeah, 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 yep, sure. But they were making the point that there are there is legitimate evidence that shows that. The evidence that they reject, on one hand, is the same evidence that illustrates that you can be a bit overweight and much more fit than someone who is at normal weight and sedentary. So what the bottom line is, it's about fitness. It's about controlling your weight, having adequate um, exercise and adequate activity to uh, present the best health spectrum you can. And that's really what it's all about. But, but this episode was focusing on weight and this idea of body positivity, which is a toxic idea. And, and I think overall at the end of the show, I think that really came across in a really good way. So, uh, you know, I'll just stop there. That's really everything I, th- I had to say on the subject. I just think it's uh it, it was a real surprise to see it come off as it did. And I would encourage people to watch it um, I've never encouraged anyone to watch Dr. Phil before. <laughs> so watch, Watch. we'll, we'll be right back. Um, <laughs> watch Dr. Phil and, uh, and uh, say hi to Cameron and uh, yell at your TV like I did.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the one other thing, the, the middle-aged white man thing, because she brought this up. I just have to, because it, I'll tag this onto my previous comments about postmodernism and fat studies and all that stuff. So they tried to do the science route and, you know, you, you mentioned Kelsey Kaler and they had a physician there. I think his name was Dr. Liebowitz or something like yeah, that. He was a, right. he was emergency medicine physician yeah. for many years. Vaughn
1: Leibowitz is dead.
0: Okay. <laughs> and then, and then I'm there, right. And I know this literature pretty well because I write about it. I do this podcast and of course I've, you know, struggle with my weight. So that wasn't gonna fly. There was just too many people that knew this topic too well to go no. So at one point she kind of she said, well if you want to have a science discussion, I'm not the person to have on this show. I think they cut that out, but she did say that. And then she went with the, you know, most people, most physicians are middle aged white men. And if I if I was on camera, you would have seen me roll my eyes because that's just so (laughs) it's just so obnoxious when people say that. And here's why. It doesn't matter what physical traits your physician has. If they're giving you good medical advice, good medical information, it's good medical information, right? Facts are facts. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Right. And the other thing of course, is that they were both very, very white, (laughs) you know? And so, so the, the question that occurred to me as I'm listening to her do the middle age, you know, the whole, this is racism and sexism thing is okay. Well, your husband is a white male, is he is his is is his opinion disqualified? Is your opinion half disqualified because you're white as well, you know? so I just I found that annoying and, and Dr. Phil didn't really dive into that he he diffused it very well because as soon as she said that, he looked over at her. And he like hit his hit himself on the, on the chest and he goes, (laughs) well, thank you for calling me middle age. And, you know, and everyone, everybody laughs and it just diffuses the tension. And he was, I mean, he does, he's been doing this for, I don't know, 25 years or whatever. So he's very good at what he does, but he diffused that whole line of argument. And he made a few comments that didn't make the final cut about, you know, that's not really relevant. And you can think that, but that doesn't correspond to what we're talking about, you know, um, but I just found that, I just found that silly, you know, and again, use the smoking analogy again, right? If, if Kevin came on the show, he's like, you know, uh, smoking raises your risk for lung cancer and heart disease and stroke and COPD, and you really shouldn't smoke two packs a day. And I was to say, well, you're a middle-aged white man. So, right. That, that doesn't, (laughs) that it's just, that makes no sense. So
1: it's funny, isn't it? It really is. And, And, and I can't think of the last time I had a middle-aged white guy as a doctor was <laughs> 1979 and every physician I've had since has been, uh, and, and I adore all my physicians are, are either from uh, uh, India or women or from Europe or when I had a great Polish doctor, I've got a, my general practitioner now. She's wonderful. She's a runner. She's super cool. I've been with her for 10 years. The guy who's going to do my colonoscopy next week is from India. He's awesome. You know, so I, I, I you know, I kind of think that calling the medical establishment the home of, 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 you know, there I am throwing my stupid anecdotes in. But I think that, you know, medicine and, and science in general is really a great tapestry. And uh, has opinions and thoughts from many different cultures and is very representative. And, you know, I hope I don't paint myself in somebody's problematic corner there. <laughs> but I, I, I don't think that this is uh, the cabal of, uh, you know, USA white doctors, middle-aged men who are making decisions. Uh, this is a, This is where we are with our current understanding of health. And, you know, my, my mom was not a middle-aged white guy. She wasn't going to middle-aged white guys. She was listening to, uh, you know, upper middle-aged white suburban women who really misdirected her. And, uh, and so you know, it, it had a negative effect. So I don't know, you can steer away from that stuff, I guess. But that you know that's all I got on the subject that it was a really really good episode. You did a great job. Folks should t- tune in and watch it and let us know your thoughts and opinions online. You know, again, I'm still while I have some very uh, strong opinions, I'm still forming my final thoughts. You know, tell us how you feel about this and you know, are we right or wrong? Where do we get it right or wrong? It should be an ongoing discussion so we can all get a little bit better. So, there you go. Very good. And I don't know if you have a follow this week, Kevin.
0: I'm just going to recommend people go check out uh, John Glad's uh, YouTube channel, Obese to Beast. (laughs) He's on, he's on, I think he's on Instagram and he's on Twitter, but YouTube is his primary platform. He makes videos almost every day. So go check out his content. As I said, his perspective on the episode is a little different. So go listen to what he had to say. Uh, But we just wanted to focus on this and do something a little different today. But
1: are you saying to call uh, John Claude (laughs) Vandam?
0: Uh, I, knew. Follow, I, knew uh, was
1: gonna, I knew you couldn't resist, dude. You're like
0: a, you're like a rat with cheese. Like you just can't help yourself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I would uh, watch uh, Dr. Phil, a uh, very, very good show. No, uh, the person I'm following is Vega Shaw and Dr. Shaw has a new thing on Twitter. She's going to do what's called Startup Saturday, and she's going to feature a startup company in a thread on Twitter at 10 a.m. Pacific time. So if you follow Dr. Shaw, she's at Dr. underscore Alpha Lyrae. So here you go, Uh, Dr. underscore A-L-P-H-A-L-Y-R-A-E. Her name is Vega and Alpha Lyrae is the first star, the brightest magnitude star in Lyra for you geeks out there. And that was what she was named after. That's kind of cool. So Vega Shaw at Dr. Underscore Alpha Lyra. And she's going to do this every week. It's worth checking out because she's she's really got great intentions here to highlight new technology. And I, I just think it's awesome. Very good. Well, go follow her.
0: Follow us as well at Kevin Fulton on Twitter at acsh.org for my writing on Twitter. Thank you so much everybody. 190 is in the can and we will see you next week.